What's up, Bulls Nation? And welcome in to the CHGO Bulls Podcast presented by PointsBet. Don't forget that PointsBet promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. I'm Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Joining me, Will the Goat Gottlieb, safely back from behind enemy lines up there after game two <laughs> on Wednesday night. He's at Won't Gottlieb on Twitter. Big Dave is at Bow BAWL Sports ah. and making his weekly appearance, everybody. It's the Vooch Apologist, hey. Mark K at MK Hoops on Twitter. Mark, take a bow for that Vooch game last night, buddy. Yeah, I mean, that was all me, yeah. That, that, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel vindicated. I feel vindicated. Billy's coaching his ass off. Javante, what's Javante doing? He, he, I'm sure he did something good. All my guys are doing things good. You guys are, you guys are well. Life is good. Life is good. I can't complain, and I brought my goat with me today. It's oh, a visual medium, yeah. so unfortunately, those listening can't we see it. We need the sound effect. My, got my little <laughs> Where's got Joey? With me. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Everything uh, is right. good right now, guys. That's... Yep, uh, Good to hear. Uh, we've got lots of fun stuff to get to today. We're going to further break down that uh, DeMar DeRozan depantsing of Giannis Antetokounmpo in game two <laughs> uh, and, and whether or not we can wow. count on that again in game three. We're going to talk about Billy Donovan shortening up his rotation uh, with his bench guys getting significantly fewer minutes in game one uh, in game two as opposed to game one. And then we'll wrap up with a look at Zach Levine and uh, – Another kind of down night for him, depending on how you want to look at it. But but Mark K has some thoughts to share with those uh, Zach Levine haters who have always called him a ball hog and not team player. Uh, looking forward to that. So let's start things off with Demar and Giannis. Uh, Will, you wrote about this uh, after game two. Check it out on allchgo.com, people. That uh, it was crazy to see Demar just absolutely pick apart a defensive player of the year guy like Giannis especially down the stretch in the second half. Uh, DeMar just took the space that Giannis gave him and got to his favorite spots on the floor, and it was bucket after bucket. Yeah, the the part that you just mentioned that I think is the one that's important to point out is like the shots that Giannis was giving him. And for me, this is all coaching game plan. I have no idea why Mike Budenholzer had Giannis dropping back in these pick and rolls. Like, Damar was just feasting at the elbow. And like, again, we all know this. Everybody knows this. It's all over the scouting report. Mm. Nobody would be surprised to tell you Damar wants to take those elbow jumpers. And they were just giving them to him. So he was basically coming off these little screens on the wing and just getting right to the free throw line every single time. But even just beyond that, I mean, I said it last night. He's just such a badass to be able to go after a guy like that who's got size speed and just you know defensive player of the year caliber awareness Mm -hmm. and the ability to contest shots like that i mean that was just an incredible performance from damar and it's the same situation we've talked about before where the bulls are out talented they lose basically all the battles uh of the four factors where the bucks out rebound them they shot more threes they shot more free throws and it was just a Demar is better. Demar is better, and uh, that's crazy to say. Like they have Giannis Antetokounmpo on the floor, and Demar was the best player. Mm, that's so true. You know, it it went in levels for me, uh, guys, watching that because um, it was like, oh man, he's doing this against Giannis, and then it was, oh man, he's doing it against the back to back MVP. And then it was, oh, man, he's doing it against the former defensive player of the year. Like, it, it really went in that level. And then when you look at the numbers of it, and 
I saw the numbers that ESPN Stats and Info put out. Um, also, there was, you know, what, the eight of nine <laughs> against Giannis for 16 mm-hmm. points, which is absolutely crazy um, to show you just how hot he was. But he needed this game just as much as the Bulls needed this game, just as much as Bulls fans needed to see him have this game. We needed to believe, because um, I've talked about it in the pregame, how people were immediately after game one reverting back to calling him DeFrozen and saying, oh, this is what he does. Uh, this is who he is. He's always like this in his playoffs. And and when I put up his numbers just to show his playoff numbers and people, I wanted the context, I wanted them to see that in context to say, but you got to understand, like the last time he was with San Antonio, those numbers were way better than his career numbers in the playoffs were. And then this year was his career year as far as shooting and playing was concerned. So I didn't expect it to continue. I thought it was going to be a game for him um, in game two. And it, it damn sure was, man. And it felt good, like Will said, to say that, you know, we had the best player on the floor in the game and it was on the road. That that felt really good to say, Mark. Yeah, for sure. And I think what was important or what enabled uh, DeMar to sort of cook Giannis in those instances was he was sort of got it, or he started to get it together around the second quarter when he was getting to his spot against, you know, whether it was Wesley Matthews or Drew Holiday or even Chris Middleton. Like he started to build that baseline there, which enabled him to get into that groove, into that rhythm that, you know, when Giannis was at center. And then to Will's point, it was strange that they were using. Giannis as a drop center because they had put Brooke Lopez off the ball to, to have him on Patrick Williams. You would think with Giannis at center, he would make it more easy for him to trap the ball, make it more easy for him to sort of run out to virtually the shooting uh, from a shooting point of view. But yeah, Will's correct. Like, it was weird that, um, that that Giannis wasn't necessarily guarding up higher, up higher on, on DeMar. But nonetheless, like he was already in that groove. He got to that point, which enabled him to do those DeMar things that we had become accustomed to. And to be honest with you, I was... I didn't know if we were going to see it in the in the in the playoffs. The way the Bucks guarded him in Game One was concerning to me, in the sense that they were able to stop him or neutralize him in single coverage. They didn't have to trap. Now, in this case, in Game Two, they 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 did that again. And why wouldn't you? Like that that worked in Game One, but then they did make the adjustment. They started to trap towards the back end of the of the fourth quarter, but at that point, it was too late. So. Uh, yeah, DeMar was just unbelievable last night. And the fact that he was able to do that last night on the same night that the Raptors go down uh, 0-3 in their series. And uh, a lot of Raptors fans have been, for whatever reason, hating on DeMar. I, I don't know why that fan base does that. But uh, it, was, it was it was nice. It was vindicating. And um, I'm just really happy for DeMar, to, for him to have that moment. It was awesome. That's the thing that I'm wondering about coming into Game 3 on Friday night is if Budenholzer goes to that trapping of tomar earlier like you said mark I, I was surprised by how long it took them to finally say okay we got to start throwing some traps at tomar and and to his and the bulls credit they did manage to beat that trap i i feel more often than they didn't and they you know they made the extra pass and they swung it to the weak side and whether it was you know p-dub uh, on that one play where he had a pump fake put the ball on the floor got to the hole or or caruso uh, getting that extra pass to Zach in the corner. Like they, they managed to beat the trap, but they only had to do it a handful of times while they were trying to protect that shrinking lead. And if I'm like Budenholzer, I'm saying I'm throwing that out there, maybe not right out of the gate uh, on uh, on DeMar, but certainly sooner than they did. And then the other factor in that, that could weigh into that is, is Middleton no longer a part of the starting five for game three? We're still, mm-hmm. as we record this, 
late on Thursday afternoon waiting to hear an update on the MRI he got for that MCL sprain as he left before the conclusion of game two. And then how does that perhaps change things up as far as who Budenholzer puts on who when the Bucks are on the defensive end? I think uh, it was it was very surprising to me. And I, I even asked Billy after the game, and coaches never like to you know, talk shit about each other because it's a fraternity or whatever. But I asked Billy, like, what did he make of this decision to not to wait so long to trap DeMar? Um, and he he kind of was just like, that's a question for Bud, which is fair. But uh, I, I just think it like even if even if the Bulls do get an advantage situation out of that, it speeds DeMar up. And he is he like people always talk about he's a rhythm player, but he creates his own rhythm because he's just so patient and he can just get to a spot whenever he needs to. So when you send two at him, even if he tries to dribble around it, which he did a couple of times last night, um, it's speeding him up. It forces Vucevic to move a little bit more quickly than he wants to. Like the Bulls are really good when they slow down the pace. And I think that benefits them in a setting like the playoffs. But um, anytime these guys have to like make decisions faster than they want to, even if you end up with an open shooter, like the ball still has to get there. And I think that's really where they struggle. So it would not surprise me at all to see earlier traps but by the same token like the more you show something to a team especially a really good team the more they have an opportunity to to understand it and try to get a beat on it and figure it out and so if the bulls get to that point where they solve the trap against the bucks like then what do you do and maybe that's like thinking too far down the line but i mean at this point the bulls not only have proven that they are capable of competing with this team they've stolen back home court advantage like the bucks should feel like they're against the walls and that isn't even uh, considering what will happen with Chris, Chris Middleton, who, by the way, played awesome and missed most of the fourth quarter. But that, that just sucks, man. Like injuries are the worst. And I really hope he gets better. He, he's such a great player, such a great competitor. And it's it's a shame he won't be out there. Yeah. And in fact, it was like a non-contact one. Like as soon as he went down. Yeah, he slipped. I, I watched the play again. He just he was mm-hmm. driving and I think his one of his legs just like slipped out from underneath him. It, it looked really painful. And he stayed in yeah. for like another minute, which. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. It just like when Bobby Portis came back to the bench, like as soon as they got up and tried to come back, he thought they would be OK. And it just wasn't the case. Um, also with DeMar, I'm interested to see how much Drew Holiday is going to be the primary defender on him uh, in game three and going forward, because I always felt like that's the one person that he is always had an issue with as far as the, you know, defense is concerned, who guards him. And we saw it on that block that Drew Holiday had that they, you know, called a foul that they had to go reverse back. And every time I see him guard, <clears throat> excuse me, Drew Holiday or Drew Holiday guarding him, I think of the story he told about him this season when he saw him uh, coming up uh, when he was on the, you know, the circuit, the AAU circuit, you know, and coming up in college and things and, somebody asked him who was the player that was the most ready for the NBA that you had ever played against. And he just raved about Drew Holiday and how he had the entire everything in his game. And Drew Holiday is your favorite defender's favorite defender. Correct. Correct. He's not going to get that love, but he's going to get that ring. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to get that. But, but yeah, I, I'm interested to see that going forward because I loved it when Wesley Matthews was guarding him. He's already shown he could cook him, but it's going to be interesting to see if Drew is going to be that guy because that's also going to open it up for your backcourt mate as well, if that's the case. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm interested to see how how if that change happens from Budenholzer. Yeah, look, I'm all for cooking Bud when it's relevant. Like, I have no problems with that. But at the same time, like, we're, 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 we're wondering why he didn't send the adjustments sooner. But, like, 
I mean, DeMar was just hitting some outrageous shots at the same time. Like, he, it's not like Drew or Wesley Matthews or whoever was just getting absolutely roasted. He was beating them off the bounce to, uh, to, you know, to get to the hoop or anything like that. Like, DeMar was doing his crazy, you know, mid-range thing where, you know, he was making like 20 footers on occasion. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. probably not a great shot. But at the same time, it went down. It's like, so I can understand his perspective of, all right, my, my initial single coverage dude is doing a really good job in isolation. Do I really want to send that double? Do I really want to trap right? But now? I don't. Or do I want to? Or do I want to trust the process? So, I don't know. Like I, I could think of it most. I, I could go either way, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't think Wes was even doing a bad job. I, mean, I got the matchup yeah. data up here, and uh, this is pretty fluky, but um, or not fluky, but it just it doesn't really necessarily show the whole context. But essentially, mm-hmm. what it does is account for who was defending someone for at least part of, if not an entire possession. And Wes was on DeMar for 48.2 possessions, which was by far like more than triple the next closest. Mm-hmm. And DeMar shot five of 12 against him. And I thought early on in the game, Wes was really good. And and mm-hmm. DeMar had that early layup uh, off a of steal, which, you know, and we could talk about the Bulls defense. I thought the rotations looked great last night, um, but he really didn't start cooking until later on in the game and then once he he did they switched three shots i think exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. exactly and they switched drew onto him and then they started switching a little bit and then they just started dropping off and it was like what you were doing was working i don't know why you want to wait from that to try something that was less successful it was very strange to me yeah i mean like i I guess that just just that just points to for me like i'm i'm all for us being in that meathead hours at the moment dave and and i'm 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 happy to be in that zone for now like we've just won a game i don't want to be too mr realist this is how things are actually going to play out type thing but at the same time like whilst we should be reveling in this demar DeRozan performance Mm -hmm. how repeatable it is that that's what i question because i still do think the bucks played pretty solid defense on demar that they they can do some things to to make some changes they probably should have done you know gone to the trap a little bit sooner but nonetheless like at the same time sometimes you just got to tip your hat and say this dude was just making insane shots and um you know if he's going to continue to shoot eight of nine on Giannis, then then uh maybe we'll uh we'll live with that or, or at least we'll try and test that to see if that uh you know if if that can hold but I don't know. Let's, I guess the point is let's let's revel in this performance for now, but um, we'll, we'll come to see what happens in game three, four, and on and on and, and game five now, which is the uh, the exciting part. We've got a game five. The, the other thing that I'm curious about coming into game three, when it comes to if and when we see Demar versus Giannis in particular, is and we were talking about how Giannis was giving him plenty of space and dropping uh, in those pick and roll situations is what was Giannis having five fouls and maybe getting lucky to not foul out of game one, maybe on his mind a little bit when he had to guard DeMar one-on-one and say, all right, well, I'll just try and use my crazy wingspan to close out and at least contest the shot, make it a difficult shot for DeMar instead of risk biting for a DeMar pump fake and drawing a foul. And I, I saw a lot of different Bulls fans, you know, throwing up various videos and stuff late last night and into this morning where it looked like there were at least three or four examples of Giannis, you know, debatably uh, commi- mm-hmm. committing the, you know, sin, the foul of getting in DeMar's landing space and none of them being called. Whereas the Bulls were called for that, I know at least once, maybe twice, um, including that that four-point play that the Bucks had when they were making their comeback. And whether or not that tide will shift at all, uh, just as far as how Giannis is officiated, because... But obviously, Bulls fans are biased. 
but there were a lot of people saying, you know, on, on NBA Twitter last night, like, wow, man, like Giannis can basically just get away with any kind of contact that he creates and he will get the call. And it, you know, even goes back to that ridiculous foul quote unquote on Patrick Williams in game one and everybody being like, what explain to me how that's a foul on Patrick. You know, I think by and large for game one and or two, the refs did not have a huge impact on the the result of the game. I'm just curious if Giannis is going to get officiated differently in the United Center for games three and four. And if maybe trying to go at him and get him in foul trouble is something that Billy and maybe DeMar one-on-one are going to try to accomplish. And maybe that's why you might have seen, and, I, and you guys know this a little better than me, so you can speak to this, but maybe that's why Giannis was dropping off of him a little bit more because he was trying to stay out of that foul trouble uh, because DeMar is just so good at that, uh, drawing those kind of fouls and getting to the foul line. And, you know, Giannis, like Matt said, being that guy who picked up those five fouls in game one, he didn't want to continue to do it uh, that in game two. So that maybe that played into it. But again, you guys can speak to that better than I can. Yeah, I think honestly, it was schematic. I think that's what they were trying to do with the defense. And mm-hmm. that's what they try to do with Lopez too, is really back off, prevent any sort of penetration all the way to the rim and force mm-hmm. you to take mid range shots. And then also rely on that length, Dave, that you're talking about with Giannis and Brooke Lopez to be able to contest shots. And DeMar's just too good at that. Like you can't give him those shots. Um, I think also, as we've talked about a ton, the pick and pop threat of Vucevic and not being able to get back out to him, it was just a little surprising to me. And obviously you don't want to give up layups either, but um, it just, it seemed a little schematic. It, it also seemed like it took Giannis out of sort of some level of engagement where, you know, that, that play that sticks out to me um, is the Patrick drive. Uh, when he passed up the corner three and drove and had that layup, like Giannis was right there. He could have like mm. swatted that. Um, and there were just moments where he didn't really feel like he was exerting his full, you know, impact on the game. And then there were where he blocked yeah. DeMar <laughs> on that way. Like DeMar got cooking on him and then DeMar went to the basket and Giannis mm-hmm. just sent it back. So it was a little I'm weird tall. to me to not see exactly um, a guy who is capable of doing that um, and by the way, like <laughs> people don't appreciate how hard it is to be able to carry the load like that on both sides. I mean, he is a two way superstar and not mm-hmm. many other guys in the league can do anything like that. So maybe it's just exhaustion. But um, mm-hmm. th- I do think that he left a little bit on the table in terms of his defensive impact. And part of that to me was schematic. Yeah. And, and that's the scary thing, right? I mean, the dude still had 33 points, 18 rebounds and nine assists. <laughs> Which is, and, we're, and we're talking about Giannis maybe leaving things on the table and maybe not necessarily being at his best. He was monumental in that third quarter to the point where I thought the game was going to change then. I thought he was single-handedly going to will the, the Bucks to, to a win. And, and a double-digit Bulls lead was a race to what, like three or four points or something like that. And then thankfully the team went on an, an amazing 9-0 run to, to start the fourth quarter, which I was not expecting at all based on how the end of the, the third quarter transpired. But like to your point where like if there's little things that Giannis can ratchet up and it being more so on the defensive end, then, you know, again, I, I want to enjoy this moment that we're in right now. But it, the Bucks still... The Bucs should still be favored in the series. I know they're going to be without Chris Middleton likely going forward. And, and that, you know, that that does favor the Bulls in a lot of ways. But at the same time, if if Giannis has an extra 5% that he can go to, then it, it really can change the series back to back to the Bucs' way, which at the moment, it kind of feels like the Bulls, if, if 
if if they haven't got the lead in this series, then it's it's level. And, and what I mean by that is the Bulls have won four of eight quarters this you know through two games. So you know virtually fifty fifty there. Obviously, the series is tied one one. In terms of a total cumulative, the Bulls are only three points back on, on the Bucks in terms of total game score. So, like, this series is pretty damn even right now, and it could go a number of different ways. And I guess because the Bucks do have Giannis, that they have a better chance of maybe swinging things. But at the same time, if DeRozan can do what he did, if the Bulls can play as a team, I think that's the important thing. The way they've been playing on both sides of the ball as a team, like, the they're reminiscent of the first of the team that we saw in the first thirty games, and that's really that's really encouraging, actually, and that's why I'm really just enjoying this playoffs because I wasn't expecting them to get back to this performance because this is not who they were in the last 15, 20, 30 games. They were a really bad team, but they've been just absolutely amazing, you know, through these first two games thus far. Yeah, you know, the wildest thing I just wanted to say real quickly was, and this is wild that I was been thinking this all day long because it sounds real meatheadish, but I'm like, no, this is true, but the Bulls could easily be up 2-0, and I can't yeah. say the same. I can't say the same thing about Milwaukee, and that's the wildest thing to me. Like I saw how mm-hmm. the Bulls did in Game One; they they easily could have won that game if they, you know, were yep. on. I mm-hmm. can't say that about the Bucks for Game Two because the Bucks never led. Like I never mm-hmm. saw them lead in Game Two, so that's the wildest statement <laughs> that I, I think that came out of these two games for me. I think you're totally right, and I also think. I mean, we're talking about Giannis being able to ratchet up the intensity, get five or 10 more percent. Uh, You could say the same thing about Zach Levine. And I know, Mark, you want to get into this in a bit here, but I don't think the Bulls have really reached their ceiling in terms of, you know, level of play. And we've talked all year about can DeMar, is this sustainable with what DeMar is doing? Like, can he carry the Bulls? And at this point, you have to just say yes and hope that you're that you continue to be right because he's been doing it all year. And I think if you can get a little bit more out of Zach, Vooch obviously played his ass off. He has been awesome in both of these games. Um, this is the this is the recipe. They've figured it out in terms of how to defend Giannis, doing as much as he possibly can to contain him, keep him in front, take the ball away from him before he even gets it, and then force him to go through bodies on his way to the rim. Um, and then these double teams in the post, I, I think they're executing really well. Uh, they probably could stand to get to the line a little bit more, do a little bit better job on the defensive boards. Although I thought for two out of those four quarters, they did a really good job and then shooting the three a little bit more. I, I just think they're going to be out of deficit if they're taking half as many threes as the bucks. Um, but I think you can also just imagine that you'll get a little bit more out of Zach. So I still am feeling pretty good about this team, especially coming back to United Center, where they're obviously so much better than on the road. Although Pfizer was feeling a little United Centery last night. <laughs> UC North. Uh, guys, some breaking news just dropped while we're recording here Thursday afternoon. We will get to that and our reactions next. Oh, that's a tease, baby. Oh, that, that dude. That dude right there. That's, it, man. that's professional. Oh. Yes, that's it is. also the dude who's telling y'all to sign up for a points bet account if you haven't oh, already and join the fun. <laughs> the best way to support CHGO is to download that points bet app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you're going to get those two risk free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our amazing web content like the daily coverage from will gottlieb who's covering this bulls bucks playoff series every other chicago sports team on your list of favorites we got 
an incredible staff at CHGO covering all those teams as well. You'll even get a free T-shirt of your choice from that awesome CHGO locker. That's 2,000 free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. Now, we've been telling you about those NBA same-game parlays. You know what's cool? For Game 3, Bulls-Bucks, we are going to have a CHGO-specific Bulls-Bucks same-game parlay in the PointsBet app, and it's going to be a odds-boosted opportunity. If you go to the uh, booster section, booster odds of PointsBet, second on the list underneath NBA boosters, you will find CHGO boosters. We have our mm. own section of PointsBet now, gentlemen. How awesome yeah. is that? Pretty awesome. So go check that out and get your bets in for Bulls-Bucks game three. You want more? You can boost your live same game parlays as well. Watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. And sign up mm. online is now available for all of you beautiful people that live in the state of Illinois, you can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. So, what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Mark K, tell them what you do. You live your bet life. <laughs> someone's <laughs> someone's been doing their homework. <laughs> I've, been, I've been practicing in the mirror. I've been practicing in the mirror just just in case someone threw to me unexpectedly. Yeah getting, uh, yeah, getting into the United Center late night, getting some shots up <laughs> with the lights on. Live something. your bet life. Live your bet like, life. D- Dave Live is such an life. influence in Live my your life, life that <laughs> I no lem- I no longer say fifth or five. I say fifth. <laughs> <laughs> You're also, CHGO. I-, <laughs> <laughs> I also can't say ever now, but just like ever, I always have to say ever, like Dave. Yes, says, sir. Like, yes, sir. So, I just want you to know, Dave. Like you're, uh, you're, you're, you're a media influencer. You're, like this is you now. This, this is what you are. Uh, well, I tell you, I know my man C Red Ted is gonna really appreciate you saying <laughs> every time. So that's all right. Yeah. And, and you know what else he'll appreciate? He'll appreciate his dad drinking some of this wonderful athletic greens to make oh, yeah. sure he's got his energy up and he's ready to hang out and kick it. Because guys like my man Will Gottlieb who had a late night, sorry, Mark K, not an international late night, but he had a late <laughs> night dealing with those bulls, man, in Buck Series. He got in a little late, but there's a reason he's up early right now, looking all wonderful, hair is in the right place, follicles are lined up correctly. It's because he had his 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help him start his day correctly. I'm talking about athletic greens, y'all, because that is what they do. It's a lifestyle friendly. It contains one. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and they still taste wonderful. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, and it supports mental clarity and alertness. And it costs you less than three dollars a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than that cold brew habit that you got. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. And Will, you can speak to the people about how it makes you feel when you drink on that Athletic Greens. Can you let them know, sir? I actually have a good Athletic Greens story to share from this Come morning. on with it! Uh, last night, late night, not complaining about it, but it was late night. It's just a fact. <laughs> Uh, you know, staying up late writing. I walk back to the hotel in the rain. I fall asleep at about 2 a.m. File my story, which you should go read, by the way, lch.com. Damaris, just a freak. I read about him. 
Uh, so I wake up in the morning and I've realized I've got to drive back to Chicago, about 90 minute drive. And I, I stumble down my, the elevator to the first floor to try to go get some coffee. And the coffee machine was empty. And mm. so one of the guys working at the hotel is like, you look like you had a late night. And I was like, you know what? It's because I didn't have my athletic greens yet today. So I had my <laughs> athletic greens. I felt better. I drank some coffee, got on the road, made it back. And now I, now I'm here. And now you got that wonderfulness that's on your screen right now. And you two can have that as well, y'all. And we'll give it to you for a wonderful deal. Because right now, it's time to reclaim that health, y'all. And arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. All you could do is make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And one, two, three, four, yes, free travel packs. <laughs> With your purchase, all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O Bulls. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash C-H-G-O Bulls to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens. Scoop it, dump it, shake it, drink it, feel it. Ooh. I'll just make that up. Give me my money. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Give me my money. Thank you, Mark. Hey. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank wow. You. Uh, okay, gentlemen. So we we will uh, talk about Billy Shorten and his bench a little bit, but this just broke as we're recording here Thursday afternoon. So let's talk about this. Sham Sharanya tweeted at 526 Chicago time. Bucks Chris Middleton will likely miss games three and four versus Chicago and is mm. sidelined indefinitely with a sprained MCL injury, sources tell The Athletic. A minute later, Woj bomb. Woj, Milwaukee Bucks all-star Chris Middleton has an MCL sprain in his left knee, will be reevaluated in two weeks, sources tell ESPN. Bucks will have to play without Middleton for the rest of their first round series mm. against Chicago. Mm. Middleton out for the remainder mm. of the series. Wow. That's that's some heavy news right there, man. That's big stuff because like like Will said, he was the man in that third quarter. Like he was on fire. He was the one to bring them back. And anytime that team, you know, had that low energy like Marquet was talking about. And it, I'm just talking about during the season and even last year uh on their run to the finals. Anytime they had those low energy performances, it was Middleton who was the one bringing them back and hitting those huge big shots for them late, man, and carrying that team. So that's that's a big loss on the offensive and defensive end. That that's a big loss for them. Yeah, Middleton scored in the third quarter alone 13 points on four of six shooting, including four of four from three. I mean, that dude and like people he gets overlooked because of how good Giannis is and how good that team's defense is. But when things slow down in the playoffs, it, you can't always just expect Giannis to like Euro step his way to the basket. Middleton is so good at creating offense because he's great off the bounce. He can shoot it. And those pick and rolls with him and Giannis are not guardable. So this is a massive blow to the bucks. And as we said before, I mean, you never want to see a, a guy go down with injury. Um, but it, it just puts the Bucks in an even more compromised situation where now you're basically if you've lost home court advantage. You're going to Chicago and you don't have your second best player for the rest of the series. That's just that's just a tough spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And look, the reason why this is it's bad for the Bucks, obviously, but why it's important for the Bulls is like there is no other version of Middleton on this Bucks team. Like he is their wing scorer and like removing him from the equation, like 
I don't know, like does Pat Connaughton start now? Or maybe they go small and, and put Grayson Allen as a starter and have Connaughton come off the bench, irrespective of what they do schematically. Like the, the, the point is, it's pretty much just Drew Holiday on the wing now who can yeah. really do anything off the bounce that can, you know, at least anyone that matters, let's say. Whereas now it, it kind of feels like for the Bucks to, you know, put up 100, 110, 120 points, like most of that's going to have to come from the front court. Like, you know, Bobby Portis will get back at some point. Like he obviously didn't play much of this game, game two, but he's going to have to score a lot of points off the bench. Obviously, Giannis, Brook Lopez, they're going to probably have to go for 60, 70 points uh, combined in, in each game going forward because they just don't have that wing scoring now without Middleton. So yeah, this is huge. And it really does change the series because it's not like a one or two game potential injury. Like it's 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 two weeks from him being reevaluated. Two weeks from now, we're into the second round type thing. So whether that's the Bulls or the Bucks advancing, like Middleton, it seems it seems like he's done for this series, which dramatically changes things. Um, we'll see how it all plays out. And you know, it's only we're only up to game three, but yeah, this is huge for the Bulls. They've, they've got a break and here. They've got a one break. more thing. One more thing I would add is. <clears throat> You know, this brings to mind the end of the of game one, where basically the Bucks were putting uh, Giannis, Drew, and Middleton in three man actions for the entire mm-hmm. fourth quarter, and that's mm-hmm. really where you just become unguardable. And I've been calling for it with the Bulls to do stuff with Zach, Demar, and Vooch. I think they did uh, a better job of that in the third game or in the second game rather, but it just really hamstrings you. Obviously, he's your you know best half court scorer the side of Giannis, but uh, just what they are able to accomplish with him on the floor, whether it's him scoring or not, I think makes such a big difference. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I hope he's okay. I mean, I hope this isn't like a yeah. longer term yeah. injury, but it, it really does reshape the entire complexion of the series. And even if it is a, you know, a quick, okay, reevaluate and maybe, you know, it's good news and they, they try to get him back ASAP. Our pal, our pal Rob Schaefer uh, from NBC pointed this out two weeks from today, Thursday, April 21st is May 5th. If this series were to go seven games, game seven is scheduled for May 1st. So even if it's a quick, okay, here's your reevaluation time period. And if it was an immediate green light, that still very much sounds like it's going to be uh, costing Middleton the rest of this series. And the other interesting thing about this gentlemen is that for the first two games of this series, they are they're you know often used backup point guard option or even sort of combo guard option. George Hill has missed mm-hmm. those two games mm-hmm. with an abdominal yeah. strain. So maybe do they try to rush him back in whatever kind of uh, shape he's playing, or just disperse those minutes across the rest of who they have available? I mean that that is a player that they absolutely couldn't afford to lose. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Budenholzer actually before the game said that this was. Uh, it was not seeming likely that George Hill would be back anytime soon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is big because I mean, like just off the bench for the bucks last night, but Bobby didn't play much because of the eye injury, but Grayson Allen played 21 minutes and, and Pat Connaughton played 22 minutes. The next, the next guy up was Javon Carter who played nine minutes. Now, obviously Bobby will come back and you know, he'll play 20, 25, 30 minutes, whatever it may be. But if you remove Chris Middleton, then pretty much, the only two guys that you have off the bench is Bobby and one of Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton because one of those guys is pres- presumably going to the starting unit. So not only does it remove points from the Bucks rotation, uh, it literally limits their rotation down to maybe seven guys. So again, another advantage for the Bulls to potentially expose. 
And again, like the biggest misstep for me is going to be on the defensive end because that dude was a luxury on the defensive end. You say, oh no, he's got him. Like I don't have to worry about it. Not, not man. You gotta you gotta flip a lot of things now, man. Because even the guys you mentioned to come in for him, like they they can't create off the dribble and they aren't aren't great defenders. You know what I mean? So that's man, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough, man. That's a that's a big loss, man. But you're right, Marcus. It's to the Bulls' advantage right now. Uh, Mark, you mentioned Bobby uh, leaving that game, too, with the cut uh, around his eye. Um, I saw Bulls fans asking about it all day on Twitter. I did just see Bobby Portis is not listed on the Bucks injury report. So mm-hmm. whatever stitching up, bandaging, et cetera, that needed to happen for Bobby, I would have been shocked if he did not continue <laughs> yeah. playing right away in game three. I mean, yeah. now now yeah. his nickname, Crazy Eyes, is just even cooler, and he's clearly <laughs> going to be fine. Um so wow, that that is big news, and like uh, you know, like you said, Will, all injuries suck. You never root for them. Uh, you know, for me, maybe save uh, that douchebag who was sitting courtside at game two. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's Rex awful. Allen? But uh, Aaron, Aaron <laughs> the, Rodgers, the other one, the, the other one. <laughs> uh, but it, I, there's no denying, just in, in simple realist terms, that this benefits the Bulls. It increases their chances of finding a way to win this series. Um, so the Bulls, who, you know, caught a lot of tough breaks throughout the season with their injuries, yeah. catch a break here. Uh, all right. With that, let us move now to what we were going to talk about with Billy shortening his bench. You know, Mark, you were just talking about how Budenholder didn't go all that deep into his. So in game one, let me just uh, run these numbers for you guys real quick. In game one, the starters played a combined 175 minutes. And in game two, that increased to 193 uh, with DeMar playing 44, Vooch 36, Zach 43, Caruso 38. The biggest jumps there were Zach going from 37 to 43 minutes and Caruso going from 33 to 38. Meanwhile, the bench, oppositely, the bench played 66 combined minutes in game two. Kobe had 23, Javante 17, Derek Jones Jr. 10. In game two, the Bulls bench played just 46 minutes, 20 fewer than game one. Kobe had 10, Javante 14, DJJ with eight what did you guys make of billy's significantly shorter bench rotation in game two mark i'll start with you well look i mean billy billy donovan i've been a billy apologist all season that handsome son of a bitch with that beautiful gray hair the way he chewed chews that gum the rotations everything like billy is coaching his ass off and i need people to know that right now he's making adjustments he's doing all the right things he's pushing all the right buttons billy donovan has been amazing this season he's been great in the playoffs but at the same time i want to give credit to the players because they're they're enable or they're giving billy these options to do these things in, in um in the playoffs right now like and, and what i'm what i mean by that is like just look at the fourth quarter demand DeRozan and zach levine played all, the entire fourth quarter, 12 minutes. Vooch with five five fouls played 10 and a half minutes. He could have easily fouled out, but he played good enough to, mm-hmm. to play with five fouls in that situation, had eight points, five rebounds in the fourth quarter alone. Caruso, I'm sure he's still hurting in some way, whether it's the back, the wrist, or he's probably carrying a million different other injuries that we don't even know about. That mm-hmm. dude played 10 and a half minutes in the fourth quarter. You know, Pat, Pat Williams had a really strong game last night, despite not necessarily scoring much. He was influencing the game in other ways. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even Javante played five and a half minutes off the bench. He was the next 
the next man up, so to speak, and he gave the ball some decent minutes in the uh, in the fourth quarter there, grabbing three rebounds. So as much as I love Billy Donovan, as less, as much as I love defending his his honor, and that's become a bit you know part of my brand, let's say. At the same time, like the players deserve credit because they're they're stepping up for Donovan. Like he doesn't have to necessarily go into the the bench or anything like that because he can rely on Demar, he can rely on Zach, and and you know when we were previewing this series last week. We had been talking about Billy sort of saying that, you know, any minutes allocation that were applied in the regular season, like that goes out the window now. This is the playoffs. Dudes are going to be playing more. DeMar played 44-odd minutes last night. You know, the main guys played a lot of minutes. The fact that they're able to do that gives Billy more uh, more leverage, more confidence to play those guys, and, and they responded. So, you know, shout-out to Billy Donovan, but, like, the Bulls' big four, um, you know, Caruso, Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic, that, that were incredible, and particularly in that fourth quarter when things were getting – or had the potential to go really bad. Uh, they started that quarter, you know, on a, on a 9-0 run. They stemmed the tide, and they finished it off. So, shout-out to Donovan, but – I think the players here deserve the credit as well. Quick, yeah. quick uh, trivia question for you guys. Oh, how many minutes do you think DeMar DeRozan played in the second half? All of them. 24? 24. He played 24 minutes. And I think that is just kind of the point here is mm-hmm. Billy is going to ride DeMar, Zach, and Vooch for as long as he can. I mean, this is the playoffs. There's a day off between every game. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, these guys are banged up. Yes, it's hard to play that long. But, I mean, this is this is why you do it. And I think everything else is just going to be, can we stay afloat? Can we tread water? And what kind of combinations can I throw out there? Um, maybe I give Tristan, you know, two or three possessions and see if he can basically, his whole shtick at this point is like, can I draw an offensive foul trying to get a rebound? Um, <laughs> just just messing it up right exactly uh can javante get in there and like tip away some fast break passes or um almost had that alley-oop last night which would have just like shut things down uh Dirk jones had some good minutes at the five guarding Giannis. those those really only work in my opinion when the bucks are small with Giannis at the five but it's just where can you find rest more than anything else because i think he's got his six guys that he can rely on Maybe one of Kobe, uh, the sixth being Javante, and then maybe one of Kobe or Io steps up and has a night. Uh, it's it's who can we just put in there that won't kill us while Demar and Zach and Vooch get a couple minutes of blow. Yeah, that's absolutely correct, man. Like, like who can we put in there that will, can give guys a blow while we move forward? But um, I, I like what uh, Mark K said. Uh, about giving the players some like too, but I, I think that also comes back to Billy Donovan because I think they're also playing for him uh, mm-hmm. because of what he's been for them all season long. Uh, he's just been there for the all season long. He's been a player. He's a player's coach. Like, it's what he is. You know, it's who he is. And you can just tell in the way they're playing. They're not only playing for each other, but they're playing for Billy Donovan as well. And mm-hmm. I thought those two games were just brilliantly coached by Billy Donovan, man. And I love I love the little things um, that he likes to do. Because you mentioned even Javante Green in the fourth quarter. Knowing when to put Javante in is also key. Um, having him in in that fourth quarter when in the, in the crunch time where he was able to get that tip out on that offensive rebound so the Bulls got an extra possession that way was also big, uh, having Javante in there. Because you mentioned he had those three rebounds in the fourth. That was definitely a part of it as well. Um, Calling those timeouts when they need them. He is a master for me at calling timeouts and knowing when to call them, man. 
when the Bucks were making their run, knowing when Giannis was at the free throw line, knowing how to call that timeout after his first free throw, I was like, yeah. And I was next to Matt yelling, yes, yes, that's exactly right. Trying that's to ice exactly the kicker. correct. Ice that dude because that's Giannis, you know. Like, I thought it was brilliant, um, his coaching and his, and his adjustments. One of my favorite questions yesterday was asking Will about the adjustments. And Will was like, yeah, what adjustments? You know what I mean? Like, he just played everybody those minutes. And and he hit it on the head. Uh, Billy is just definitely trying to, you know what I mean, stem the tide, find guys to blow where he can find them. But at the same time, not taking out the guys that are super hot. You know what I mean? Like DeMar DeRozan. He can't come off the floor. I need him out there mm-hmm. the whole entire game. And I thought it was brilliant how he did it, man. And I think it's, you'll see more of that in game three. And I'm hoping what that victory does for that team is make his coaching job a little easier because guys play a little more inspired. I'm talking about the bench. Plays a little more inspired yeah. and wanting to give guys, you know what I'm saying, some rest and some minutes and being a little energized by Billy and that home crowd. Yeah. The, the- yeah. And the, the major swing piece on the bench was Kobe. And, and, and speaking about adjustments and the way, you know, Billy maybe sort of massage things from game one to game two. The big noticeable thing was, you know, the minutes allocated to Kobe. Like he played 23 minutes in the first game and, and that was justified because Kobe had a really strong first game. He was probably the best young player on the on the team, to be honest with you, in game one. He, he looked more ready than Pat and Io. He was the best bench player in, in game one. But then in game two, as Kobe's want to do, where he can be a little bit inconsistent, wasn't necessarily bringing it in game two. And uh, some people were freaking out that Billy had even was even playing him like the nine and a half minutes that he got in game two. But what did Billy do instead of continuing to lean on on Kobe because you know you need to you sit a Demar or sit Levine? No, he didn't do that. He he benched Kobe. He gave him that initial opportunity because he he had earned that from game one. Kobe wasn't bringing it in game two, so Kobe only played nine and a half minutes, and and he lent on his on his main dude. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, just a fantastic. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Billy Donovan. I, I I don't know, understand why people, uh, you know, overly critical about him. Maybe it's just the typical coaching scapegoat sort of thing. But um, I, I think he's been fantastic all season. The way he's got the team back in, buying in, playing defense right now, uh, he he deserves, deserves deserves a lot of credit in my mind. And um, yeah, I'm just really happy with Billy Donovan to the point that um, I'm sitting there watching games, wishing this guy was my dad. That's that's the red the level that's reached for me. I wish Billy Donovan was my father. That's I I'm sitting there going, I hope one day I can be a father like Billy Donovan to my son C Red Ted. Like that that's that's the levels I'm getting at with Billy Donovan. Is that is that better or worse than uh, having Jimmy Butler as your father, Mark? Mm. <laughs> remember remember that old father. Jimmy Butler is your dad. father. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I like, uh, yeah, I, I'm fine with the fact that the bench minutes shrunk in game two, and I will hmm. be fine with that moving forward. The thing that had me on edge, um, for the brief minutes that it was happening in game two was seeing one of DeMar or Zach playing with four bench guys, um, you know, while one of the other two and Vooch were, were getting arrests. Like I, hmm. those minutes, like every single half a second, I had eight heart attacks being like, oh dear God, this, this is not going to go well. And it didn't. Like the Bucks were making their runs largely when the Bulls bench you know, units were out there. So mm-hmm. it's the playoffs. It's it's winner go home. You know, if Zach feels good enough to play on that knee, if Demar says, "I ain't tired," play those guys. Play them. Play them. Play them. Play them as much as you can because you're about to have an off season's worth of rest and recovery. Mm. Um, all right. Before we get out of here, we also did want to touch on Zach Levine, his first two games in the series, and maybe the. Uh, 
the perception about what kind of player he is. We'll do that next. But first, Big Dave, give the people one more quick reminder about the points bet fund, would you? Oh, I think I will do that, sir. Because if you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us to continue to grow, that rhyme, by the way, is to download the points bet app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. Because not only are you going to get those one, two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you receive that free CHGO membership, which unlocks all that web content, and you'll even get a free T-shirt of your choice from that CHGO locker. And for everybody here in this beautiful state of Illinois and this wonderful city of Chicago where the weather is actually nice outside, but still, you can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, and you can do it all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Because once the game starts, you don't just bet. Young Will, please tell them what you do. You live your bet life. Oh, you do it with points, man. Yes. All right, guys. Uh, last topic on the docket before we get out of here. Mark, I, and I saw this tweet of yours, what, whatever it was, your time. It was late, late last night, our time, about the game that Zach had and the fact that, you know, he's gotten this perception a little bit of being maybe a ball hog kind of player, not not a team first player. I, I, I've i never understood where that notion comes from other than the fact that he's been the best player on bad teams, yeah. you know, for the majority of his NBA career. Of the Bulls' big three, he took the fewest number of shots in game two. Um Still managed to knock down over half of them, seven to thirteen. But I thought you brought up a very interesting point, which is if if Zach Levine's not a team player, when you look at what he's done so far in his first career playoff series, on the cusp of a big off season where he's about to go sign himself a big fat contract, and it certainly seems like he's a guy who's first and foremost concerned with winning games and not piling up stats himself right now. Yeah, I just don't understand the. Uh... The narrative around Zach, like on one hand, you've got people calling him a ball hog, a, a bad shot taker, someone who doesn't do this and that. You know, his defense is bad. He's terrible. He doesn't deserve a max contract. And then you see takes from certain people whereby that what, what where's Zach? He's invisible. He hasn't scored in the fourth quarter. He's not doing this. He's not doing this. This guy wants a max contract. He hasn't scored in the fourth quarter. Obviously, he had that huge corner three, which changed the momentum of the game. But like, I just don't understand the logic sometimes. And, and maybe... Maybe there is no logic to it because there's different people saying different things and there's always going to be that incoherent noise, I suppose. But at the same time, like the way I was looking at Zach's game last night, 13 shots, yes, I would have liked him to have more than 20 points. But at the same time, this is the dude that a lot of people have called a ball hog who is not going to pass the ball to his teammates. And here he is in you know, his first playoff series, his second playoff game, allowing DeRozan, allowing Vucevic to do their thing. So to me, like... I understand that he needs to maybe do more and maybe he should be doing more come, you know, game three and beyond because Chris Middleton will be out and that, that will change the rotations that maybe will give Levine more of a chance to influence the game with his scoring. And maybe he needs to be more aggressive from here on out. But at the same time, like, I guess my point is, I, I think he should be commended to a degree by not getting in there and, and thinking or behaving like this is my team. I was here, you know, the last three, four seasons, taking all the shots, Demar's here now, no, he's not going to be the number one option. I'm still going to do my thing. Vooch, no, you're only going to have 12 shots a game because I'm Zach Levine. I want my max contract. I'm going to take all the shots. Like, That's who some people have built him to be. And now 
I don't know, it's, uh, it may be different voices, so maybe it's, it's wrong of me to say this, but like for me at least, I thought Zach, the way he sort of just slotted into the game last night, I, I thought he should be commended for that, if, if, if anything. Mm. It would be nice if he made one or two more baskets, but at the same time, like 7 of 13 shooting, made three of his four threes. He was huge from behind the line, and I just liked all season how Zach has allowed DeMar to be DeMar, and that's been good for the Bulls. It's been good for Zach. I mean, we know he's playing hurt as well. So I, I just, I, I just don't understand some of the negativity that surrounds him right now. And I, I to me at least, from you know, from game, from game two, I, I actually loved the way he played. Um, the, the fact that he wasn't so ball dominant, uh, dominant rather, the way he allowed Demar and, and Vooch to do their thing. I don't know if I'm wrong in this. Maybe I am. Maybe the Bulls need to lean on him more. Maybe you, you guys can tell me otherwise. But I just like the way he allowed to be. He, I, I like the way he allowed himself to be a team player last night, this is a, rather than being a Zach Levine player. Mm, I like that. And honestly, he's been doing that all season. And that was he said that coming into the season about the reason like, I don't care. You know what I mean? And you know, usually it's lip service when players say that kind of thing. You know, like I don't care who you know takes over on this team, and then they take fifty shots. But he has actually show, shown it, and he's proved it. He's done it all season long. Yo, is he hot? Great. Even when they tried to create that narrative, where after DeMar DeRozan hit that game winner, I think it was either Indiana or Washington. But the Indiana the fact, one. Thank so you. many to choose from. Yes, so many. <laughs> yes. But, but when he hit that one, they tried to create a narrative around it. Like, guys, you see Zach not run over and hug DeMar. He wanted the last shot. Like, they really tried to create that narrative. And Zach was like, what the hell are y'all talking about? He, he won. Like, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to this winning. What are you talking about? And I still am going to the All-Star game. And I'm still going to get my contract because I'm damn good at what I do. And also what plays into that, uh, Mark, as well for me, is the fact that this is his first playoff series. He's still figuring this out. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, man, this is the game, big game two on the road. Uh, this I don't know when I'm going to get tired of seeing this team because that's that's the thing that happens. You get tired of seeing the same team over and over again and stuff like that. So all this is kind of new to him when I see him out there. But I think even though I thought I was thinking in my head, like, man, he didn't have a great game. And then when I heard you guys like he's seven to 13 and shot three or four from the three point line. That's a pretty solid damn game as far as shooting is concerned from Zach Levine. The only thing I didn't want to see him do was handling the basketball because they had those ball hawks on him. They had Javante Carter on him, and they had uh, Drew Holiday, who are ball hawks. They are coming for that basketball. And that's the only thing I didn't want to see him doing. But the three-point shot that he hit in that corner after that beautiful pass from Caruso was just colossal and said a lot to me about Zach Levine keeping his head in the basketball game and not getting lost because we've seen that previously where Zach would get lost, you know, because he's trying to do everything, you know, in the game. And he starts airballing stuff and, you know, trying to shoot from um, – half court or anything like that like nothing in rhythm basically that was a beautiful rhythm shot another catch and shoot shout out to matt peck another catch and shoot shot uh from zach levine man and yeah you're right i really enjoyed how he played because he kind of stayed within himself he saw his flaws he was like oh this isn't working oh damar is going off let me let me be over here on this side i'll be here when you need me guys so yeah shout out to zach for that yeah, it's, it's the most self-aware I think he's been in his career. And to his credit, you know, he's he's done it at a time where he has the right talent around him. Whereas in the past, you know, he's tried to, you know, get these leads all back at once instead of chipping away. Um, just trying to do too much. And now he doesn't have to. I think that's why the the whole DeMar signing 
and people's outrage about that bothered me so much is because like, what do you need next to Zach Levine? Oh, we need a big wing creator who can like get his own shot, but also pass. That's exactly what DeMar is and exactly what DeMar does. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think DeMar makes him so much better. I think he's learning so much from DeMar. And to your point, this is about winning right now. And Zach wants to win and he wants to do it here in Chicago. Mm. Um, and I think he, you know, he can always play better. Anybody can always play better. Um, the second half, I think he only took four shots. Um, so I, I think he was sort of a little bit absent in the second half and three shots, excuse me, uh, two of three from the field, one of two from the line with one, three. Um, but to, to just kind of explain, I think the context a little bit, the Bucks' strategy is to put Wesley Matthews on DeMar because he's just a hound. Like he will, he will press up on him and he's so big that it's hard to back him down. And that leaves Drew on Zach and it's hard to get anything on Drew for anyone. And so basically the strategy is like make DeMar work for all of his buckets. If he scores 40, fine, but we're going to take Zach away. And for Zach to still put up, you know, whatever numbers that he had, uh, I would love to see him shoot the ball a little bit more. Um, I think as a, as a whole, the Bulls shot fewer threes last game. And, and I think they really need to up that number just to try to position themselves in a better spot mathematically. But uh, I, I totally agree. I think this is the best version of Zach. And it's like kind of a no brainer that it's worth a max contract to me. Mm. Yeah. So uh, yeah. they uh, they went seven of thirty seven behind the three point line in game one. Will yes, that's that's not a, a misprint. That is actually what the Bulls did, <laughs> seven of thirty seven, and then twelve of twenty five in game two. So a dozen fewer attempts, but they made five more than they did in game one. Mm. But I'm... you look at the Bucks and they're they outshot the Bulls from three by oh, eleven yeah. this game. Yeah. They only made two more, but those things. It's just you can't rely so much on shooting 48% on threes. Right. So yeah. I think you just have to budget into that a higher volume. And I think yeah. they had those opportunities, but um, that's certainly not all on Zach. And he three out of four is, you know, we'll take that any night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, quick trivia for you guys. How, how many, how many games this season during the regular season did the bulls have 30, uh, more than 35, three point attempts. How many games do you think it was? Oh, I'm gonna guess fewer than ten. Five. That's correct. Oh, you're pretty close. Fifth, Dave. No, but it wasn't five. Fifth. It was six. Uh, it was six. Wow. So, so, uh, so the, didn't let me in, guess. In the playoffs, okay. Yeah, well, you were gonna get it wrong. I assumed you were gonna get it wrong, so I just gave you an answer. <laughs> so six was actually six. exactly the number that I was gonna choose. <laughs> well, I mean, to that point, because you were right. I'm going to give you credit for, for being right before. Like the Bulls need to introduce variance. They need to introduce that that luck element by taking more threes. They got lucky yesterday by shooting 12 of 25, but they need to get up threes. They had 37 in game one. They only had, you know, 37 or more six times uh, during the regular season. So that's where that, that avenue of offense needs to come from. Zach is probably the best option for that to continue along with Vooch continuing to shoot those threes. So I definitely agree with you in that sense, but come back to the original point, like, I, I just I feel like Zach like is in a a no win proposition. Like if he takes too many shots, if he if he takes shots away from Demar, he's going to get killed. If he doesn't take enough shots, people are going to kill him for that. There's um a few notable jokers out there who like to um you know 
I guess, discredit Zach for being the number two or the Robin or this or that. And they do so with a negative connotation. And to me, that is just ridiculous. So I just want to give him some love because I think, yes, he could have done more yesterday. He could have had a better game. But I like the fact that he's allowed DeMar to be DeMar. I like the fact that in those trapping situations, he allows Vooch to be the primary playmaker. And he's just playing off, guys. He's a good team player. I hope the narrative changes at some point and that you know people can give him credit at some point because you know, in spite of him not having his best game yesterday, I think he still played a good team game. I'm with you on that. Um, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we will see some of you at Third Rail Tavern in the West Loop tomorrow, Friday evening. So here's the plan. Big Dave and I have you covered for pregame. We're going to do pregame from 6.30 to 7, Chicago time, on Friday. 7 o'clock, the two of us and a bunch more of our CHGO buddies are going to walk over to Third Rail Tavern. Tip-offs at 7.30. Let's pack that place with loud, rowdy Bulls fans. We'll hang out. We'll have some fun. We might even have a giveaway or two for y'all. And then... We'll head back to the studio to do post game. Hopefully, we're talking about the Bulls taking a two one series lead. Uh, so, Mark, you're you you got to be heading to the airport like right now, right? <laughs> I tell you what. Um, yesterday, I think it was, this is the second time it's happened to me. I think it was with a Clippers game when you guys were going off the rails in post game, and then last <laughs> night as well. I was like. This is one of the rare rare occasions where I've got FOMO, where I actually would have loved to be living in Chicago right now to be amongst my friends mm. celebrating this game, mm. being a complete meathead with you guys, you know, <laughs> being completely out of my comfort zone and being a meathead. But um, no, unfortunately, I won't be attending this um, this this party. But uh, send many pictures, send many videos, um, so I can continue that FOMO experience. Yes, sir. We yeah. shall. We shall. You will be with us in spirit. Uh, in the meantime, follow us uh, on Twitter. Mark's at MK Hoops. Dave is Bow, BWL Sports. Bow. Uh, follow all of Will's great coverage of this Bulls Buck series at Won't Got Leave on Twitter. Read his columns at allchgo.com. I'm Bulls underscore Peck. We are collectively at chgo underscore Bulls. The top uh, pinned tweet of that chgo Bulls Twitter account right now is still that uh, invitation to our third rail watch party for game three on Friday night. You can RSVP right there. Sounds like we're going to have a fun, large group of people. Can't wait to see y'all then. Until tomorrow, thanks as always for listening. Bulls Nation, we love you. See you, Red. Be good. <laughs>